0: Hello guys, welcome back once again to another episode of Galley Stories, stories of the Bering Sea and beyond. I'm your host, Mark Kaler. And we're fortunate today, we have Tor Tolleson with us. All right. How are you doing today, Tor? Very good. Boy, I'm looking, I've been looking forward. So far, forward. I, I'm not sure later though. <laughs> I've been looking forward to this one for a while, because I know you've got some really good stories. So let's start with, uh, let's start with the beginning. Uh, where were you born and raised
1: and how did that go? Yeah, of course, I can't remember it, but I have it in the birth certificate. Oh no, we in Norway, we don't have birth certificate, we have a baptismal certificate. But anyway, I was born in Norway in 1945 and on an island. And uh, of course, it's off the coast of Norway and it's a very historic island because uh, the, the copper from that island was mined to. Uh, was a partner with a French company, and that later became the Statue of Liberty. So the the copper that covers Statue of Liberty on the on mine on that little island I'm called Karmøy. What's the name of the island? Karmøy. Hmm. And the sound inside. Prior to that, historically, was when uh, King Hall Harald herefir, uh, when he collected all the small kings under one kingdom under his sword, so to speak. He he settled there. Of course, you know, in the early days, you know, the Vikings. They could, uh, they could uh, travel east and west. They had a so-called light stone or soapstone or whatever. They changed light, like a magnet type. But north and south, they had to follow land. So when they traded up north, they, they followed the shore side. And that's a big ocean outside, a very harsh ocean. So the sound inside that, sound of that island on the mainland was called Norweger, the road north, which later become Norway, oh. the North Way. Very, very. A lot true. of old history still there. So born there, and yeah, I was born there, yeah, and, and uh, uh, very little industry. That mining industry that was the little town of itself, you know. But other than that, was fishing, sea- seafaring men, uh, uh, sailors and fishermen. And of course, I, uh, I think I, I was, we made our first boat, you know, uh, my next door neighbor. This was uh, Captain Sig's uh, father, Svar Hansen, mm-hmm. and his uncle Carl uh, Hans Svar so was older than me, so we made a, a, a kind of a canoe. Of course, he wasn't. He had. He was bigger than me, so he didn't have uh, time for it. So I mm-hmm. ended up some boards we put together and a lot of tar and a lot of a lot of uh, lead patches. So we were out uh, paddling around as a seven, eight-year-old. Before we started school in norway and in norway yeah and you built boat yourselves yeah well, want kind of like a. I mean if i had a picture now i would have to head off you know but it, 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 we could go out and and uh, and uh, do a little fishing and it was a you know, grew up on a sandy beach there was a lot of flatfish you know flounders hmm. and stuff like that we could catch
0: now did your dad uh, he made his living as a fisherman as
1: well in them days yes he did he did for probably uh, first twenty years of his life, mm-hmm. then he became a contractor. He had a con- he worked for the communal munis- municipality. Mm-hmm. He had a tractor and a truck, but in the early days that was uh, that was uh, fishing. That was ninety percent of the people did fishing. So you grew up around that, and yeah. that was the yeah. mainstay. And the old mentality it was a third world country. right after the war, you know, there was nothing there, and everybody worked hard, and they they they, they, they kind of treated you as they they trained you hard. Mm-hmm. I remember I was in the funeral for my uncle, which, you know, anyway he di- died early in the fifties, and he was good to us, you know. So I, because he had a farm, so we helped out and made a little extra money. So I, I, I thought it was sad, you know. So I had a tear coming down. So my dad says, "What are you doing?" I says, "Well, uh, my uncle he died, your brother, you know." Yeah, he said, "I know that, but you don't do that now. You wait, till you come home, then you go in the in a in bedroom or close the door, and then you cry." That <laughs> you shouldn't show weakness. you know, I mean, because right. I mean the harshness around it. You know, you, you they trained you basically to be tough. Yeah. But not on feelings. You know, there was a lot of love to be given. You know, my my dad. Uh, I don't think he he yelled at me a few times. But if he just talked hard, I could straighten up till I was bigger than him. You, mm-hmm. know, you know, so a lot of respect for a parent. But you, you've never told,
0: spanked. You told me once uh, also that uh, that.
1: It, it was shameful almost to be boastful or to be proud oh uh, that was terrible they was terrible even if you had achieved something uh, n- having a good season or uh, I don't know if it was superstition but it was pride matter you know because there was that there, there wasn't that much difference between the rich and there was very few rich people mostly it was common sense people down-to-earth people average people mm-hmm. you know and and if you uh, had a good season, you know, you bragged about it. Everybody put no, nobody cared how good you were, or how, how bad you were. Talking about it kind of put us down, kind of like so. Right. It was very traditional. Uh, I remember one time after I've been to America, come back again. I I and my mom worked at the, at the kind of fish receiving plant, you know, and it was oh she was getting older, and I had had a couple good seasons in Alaska. So I said, oh, I should, uh, she was over 60 at least. She said, I should retire. He said, yeah, you should. She said, no, that's too much money. She says, mom, I, says, uh, I told her, don't you know you have a rich son, T- teasingly, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, she was so mad. She walked out of her there. She she did, She, she yeah. refused for me to come down to see her again. I, she wasn't going to have to talk like that. Right. Doesn't matter what I had or what we had. Uh, she was well off, too, at that time, you know? I yeah. mean, you know, norm better normal, at least. But no, that's a no-no. Things not to tease your mama. about. No, no, you, yeah, exactly. So, so, you,
0: so you said after you came
1: back from America. So what, give us that story, you know, that adventure. What brought oh, okay, you over? Well, I, I, um, I was good, I had good grade in school. I was good in school, good grade in school, school and, uh, and f- we went seven years, uh, seven days to school, See, uh, sorry, sorry. Uh, seven years. We started seven and was finished fourteen. And at fourteen, you were a grown man. You were, had to go out in the working life. You didn't have to go to school any for more. Mm-hmm. Sunday, and we did six days a week. We went to, we only had Sunday off. At the end of, of uh, seven years, having a good grades, and all the teachers, prompted me to, to uh, go to uh, continue school, higher schools, and of course at. Uh, Age twelve, I think twelve and a half, thirteen years old. I got to uh, in the summertime. I got for two months. I got a half year going on in the fishing boat trawler, and I got so seasick, you know. So I figured I swear, boy, I'm gonna get the job that has nothing to do with fishing, Mm -hmm. you know that. And of course, I I did summer job for four years, but I I still got seasick. All all four of those years. All of in the beginning. I you know after the first week you know I got over it you know because I obviously stayed there for two months, mm-hmm. so um, so I, I figured okay I'm gonna go go uh, be a shore side uh, worker and I elect- electrical I found a German generator and we made kind of a light bulb in the cabin and stuff like that so I, I loved electrical so I went to electrical technical school and I was gonna be. Probably hydroelectric engineer because that's the mountain. You can't get seasick up there, you know. (laughs) (laughs) That was my (laughs) idea. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Anyway, so when I I was going to go to school, my dad says, "Okay, yes, I would love you to go to school, but you have to work too, because either rich people or lazy people go to school. (laughs) That was the concept, you know. (laughs) So I had to prove to the neighbors that I wasn't afraid of work, you know, that I Mm was not prima donna. So that worked. That's why I had to go fishing every summer. So I, uh, at uh, age 19, uh, we couldn't get, uh, you know, in Norway, you know, Norway's emigrant to America for 40-some years, which based things on immigration quotas after, was how much people come over. And only Ireland gave more people. O- over 50% of Ireland came to America. but 40-some percent of Norway came to America in those years, you know. Mm-hmm. So they had unlimited quota system in the modern area when I was. So all I needed a guy over here guaranteed three hundred or in some cases five hundred. I mean it was three hundred dollars. You put up a guarantee to the to, to the state if something was happened, they with you. They sent you back. <laughs> okay, so a little deposit for your return you ticket, just in case. that was down okay. the floor, and they changed that right after I got them. 66, so who was 66. your guy? Uh, my guy was the same. I was a. A big shot in new bedford i i came to new bedford because i you know i couldn't afford any other tickets so new bedford massachusetts i landed in new york actually so my dad told him i had borrowed money from my grandmother for the ticket and i had 100 dollars We were supposed to have 100 dollars when we landed but i i had 84 cuz i bought a ticket to the next airplane from Anchorage, I mean from uh, uh, new york which had just been named new york kennedy airport 65 June, and uh, so I, I got a uh, plane to uh, Pro- Providence, Rhode Island, and then took a bus to New Bedford, because he was in New Bedford. Ship supply was the one that guaranteed for me. He had guaranteed for many, and he was my dad's cousin. So my dad told him, "Okay, he told me once you get there, you go and face him, tank him, and then don't see him again. Don't be don't be too bothered if you have problem Find a plank and paddle home," he <laughs> said. Don't be, don't be a bother. <laughs> right. Okay. So that was the honor system again. You sure. Know? Well, that's so that's missing today. That yeah, is missing yeah. Today. That, that, I'm. Actually, there are some good ones. I just had one that changed the furnace in my son's name, and he he you know he checked them around as a. Uh, And he shook my hand, Okay, my son is paying for this thing. He said, no problem, you'll take a handshake for it. No problem, he said. He shook my hand and got hold of it. And and he liked it, too, you know, Mm -hmm. it's my age. Anyway, so I I, uh, ended up in New York City, Kennedy Airport. uh, 19, uh, I was, I would be 20, September 7th, I came in June. And I sat there, it was a beautiful summer day, a very, very warm day. And uh, and uh, sitting laughing, at the v- I never seen so much diversified people. because Norway was basically growing. <laughs> I mean, right. like there was a, like a third-war hillbilly or in the f- in the fjord uh, place, you know. Mm-hmm. So then finally, one of the airline students came and uh, had been on the plane, and she she uh, uh, felt sorry for me and guided me a little bit, luckily. And I you know, when I went to school, I had very good grades, but when I the first grade, but I realized when I come to a higher school, I wasn't quite as good as I thought I was, mm-hmm. but I was charmful, I guess, or something. I, they gave me better grade than I deserved, probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> I had to work harder. <laughs> anyway, back to the, to the uh, kind airport, and I, I got the ticket, got on a ticket, at kind of 11 on at night. And we landed around, I think, midnight, little after midnight in, in uh, Rhode Island, Providence. And I, there was no buses going till the morning, so I had to take a hotel. So I, I got out in the taxi uh, line, and here's a young guy, and uh, I wanted to ask how much, but he didn't say, no, I, I don't know that, you know, how much it was into town. So I need to stay in a hotel, the cheapest, I only have so much money. And uh, and I need the cheapest place to go, because that's gonna last me until I get a job, you know. Mm-hmm. And he was a student, and uh, and uh, I think that uh, I think it was something like eight dollar for taxi fare. Oh. And and he charged me only six. So so that's all, you know. I have to have pay because 'cause I'm just getting hourly rates, you know. So anyway, and he got me to a hotel. That was uh, that was about four dollars a, a night. And uh, talking about the World the War Two, the taxi country. costs more than the yeah. hotel did. The cheap hotel is a fly fl- bag. and it was so bad that there was no, uh, there was no lock on the door. And and I I I, I think it was clean sheet, but I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, and uh, lots of partying going on. So I had the the suit guys I had was so bad that that had one of the locks had gone down. So I had gotten a rope. Tie it, tie it together, and that come in handy because I could tie the door. Now you know nobody could get into me. Right. <laughs> and was, so I <laughs> slept. Through, I slept till <laughs> next morning. So I ended up in New Bedford the early morning around nine ten o'clock, and, and I came into uh, uh, New Bedford Ship Ship Supply, which was our. Uh, I mean, uh, Rasmussen was the Thomas Rasmus Tennyson was Rasmus Tennyson was an owner and my guarantor. I went and thanked him, shook his hand, and I told my dad, I I can't see you again because until I got a job, (laughs) my my dad told me so, Mm -hmm. so he laughed, oh yeah, I know your dad, he don't worry about it, you know, anyway, so I got in there, and then I saw a guy from the island, and they were buying uh, Uh, gloves, they were going to leave at one o'clock, they bought, uh, he was on a boat called the Viking Queen. And they were going to drive down to uh, Virginia. I um, mean, to Yale or to Cape May, or someplace down there. You know, and they both were fishing out of there, and they gone to shore. There and they drove home for three days. They had to stay home for four days before they could go out again. The union rules. So, uh, so I says, "Have you got a job?" He said, "No, oh, I don't know." But uh, the skipper's coming in, and it's a uh, half owner. So here a little while longer, coroner's walked in. Corness. Cor- your, yeah. co- our, our coroner's here. Yeah. So I went up to him. I says, uh, "Who are you?" He says, "Well, I'm so and so," told us "And oh, your mom's name's Agnes. They they are neighbors. Yeah, <laughs> I know your mom." older Yeah, we got a job. We have full house, you know. But we need a shakka half share. So you can come with us. We're leaving at one o'clock. What do they need? A shakka. I mean, that means a uh, kind of apprentice, a mm-hmm. uh, kind of greenhorn type of deal for half share. Or they mm-hmm. give you. If the crew share got a thousand dollars, they gave you two, three hundred dollars or something like that. You know, the crew, you know, took it. Of course, you can open up scallops. That's all they could, and and you know, then you got paid by the by the scallops, mm-hmm. the pound that you open. So, uh, so um, of course that would start there, and and later. So I came to Seattle before Corey. And uh, was he up op- Was he operating that boat at the time? Quite, and like Queen. He came in '68. I come here to '66. And he took the boat in 68, I believe, and uh, round about he got some contract up north uh, with uh, some research deal. And he brought the Viking Queen. The first scholar came from New Bedford around, but, but I wasn't on there then. But of course, he went up to Seward. And uh, they had four boats uh, total. And later, he got uh, uh, in with Cor- uh, Magny. Magny was one of the first crabbers uh, here. You know, He was a big boy crabber, his brother Magny. And he started working for him in the early days. So. So I always used to say, you know, if it hadn't been for you, Corey, I only had $45, uh, uh, $85, or $64, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. I get, I'm talking so much now, I'm getting dizzy here. <laughs> <laughs> I think I better have a have <laughs> sip of uh, red red water. Yeah, red water, red <laughs> water. Well, I i really like
0: hearing these old stories, and I, and I want to get them recorded and down on, on tape, you know. So when you, you were out doing scallops on the Viking Queen. Right. And... Uh, and then, so how many trips did you
1: do? I mean, how, how long did that last? And then what, what eventually no, normally you? Normally I made two trips there and, and we, you know, had, that's a good story there too. Uh, Viking Queen was a highliner, you know, so we, uh, the biggest trip we ever was, I was on the first thing. So I, I, I got $500 as a share and that, that was more than some of the other boat got for shares, full shares, you know, cause they, you know, I was good luck and all of that stuff and everybody was in good humor, so they paid me $500. Big, big trip. Yeah. I just want to put it in context a little bit. $500, how many days were
0: you out? Seven days. Seven days. In 1965. And and you had $4 hotel
1: rooms, $6 yeah. cab rides. Right, right. I paid, that first trip, paid for my trip to Norway. You know, I could pay my grandmother back, and I got an apartment together with another guy, and I bought myself a, no, not the first trip. There was a jacket that cost $7. An island, kind of like I would love to, but I couldn't afford it. I waited two more trips before I bought it. $7 for beautiful, I want on top line kind of liner, I mean, jacket, you know. I, I noticed you pointed out that you paid your grandmother back right away. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was, well, I sent the money back right away. Mm-hmm. But uh, she started a back book on me and, I, I, and she never took it back. So when she died, <laughs> she gave it back to me. That was, was a good investment. That was a good investment. <laughs> so yeah. several
0: trips on there then?
1: Yes, and, and one trip, uh, one trip, two trips on that one. As a shotgun, and I got a full shift trip on another boat. But uh, it, we were we were dredging outside uh, Virginia, West Virginia, there, and and there was an old ammunition dump from the uh, practice field for the Navy, U- U.S. Navy, and there was a lot of uh, dumping ground for you know, Munitions and yeah. So uh, so the Eddie Love was a partner. He was a mate with Corey, and he, and he was also a partner on the white and Green. So I was up on, 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 on my shift. We had uh, shifts, you know, six on and six off, you know, around the clock, you know. And, and uh, so uh, we could hear the radio says, uh, Hey, hold it, Eddie, hold it, Eddie, you know, the guy said, uh, on the Snoopy, bought the Snoopy. And it looks like we got some doggone uh, mine stuff in the, Oh, no, it's a torpedo, is this, in the dredge. And the next hour, it's a boom, the whole friggin' thing will up blew the whole boat. It was still on the, it was, the it was, a, it, was a, it was intact. Uh, it, it set it off once they got it out to the side. It blew the boat? It blew the boat. There was just sticks after. We before we, uh, I think there was, was it 11 of us, 12 guys on board, and three survived. So there was 11 of you on board? Not, uh, no, no, okay. we were fine. Okay. We were just talking to the guy. The oh, boat, talking to the them, okay. His name was Snoopy, and the whole thing blew up. And, but he was talking to the skipper or the mate on Viking Queen, so we could hear, hear this guy talking, and the next thing it blew. So wait a minute, I have to look at this thing, it looks like a torpedo in a minor or torpedo or something. So we rigged up uh, light, I had to rig up light, you know, and we went to look for survivals of course. And uh, we found part of arm, we found an arm, you know, and, but we didn't take, uh, we saw the people, there was three people that survived, I think two or maybe three. And they were laying on the whale It was so warm, you know summer, you know. So they instead of going on the bunk, they were laying on the whale back and the whale blew off so they were blown out of the sea. And that's so why they survived. Probably. Yeah. So you, you
0: got you pulled three souls out of the water that day? Yeah and we
1: didn't, you know. We just wh- what we did, we took uh, we were just done with a trip. So we were going in. So the brother of one of the guys that didn't survive, he came home with us. Excuse me, because they were just came out. You have to stay seven out to fish, seven days out there to fish. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, we come in. Oh yeah, and Corey, after this. So, uh, so I, I I always told him, "This you saved my life. You're responsible. Remember, Corey? You know, you you, know, you gave me the job here. So um, I always give him a bad time. And then of course he come here and got into boat himself, and I was fishing with him, and then did a lot of electrical. Uh, uh, I did electrical to begin with for Lundy Electric. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so um, after I got Lundy Marine Atlantic, you know, and I got to sit in the in the big seat, then I had a, a visitor, uh, one of those political big shot guy from Norway, you know, and I was sitting in the in my office, and he came in. Well, what are you doing, Well, I'm just talking to so and so. Politician from the old countries, and yeah, says, um, and and by the way, he says this Corinnes, and but that one, he was a big shot here with Trident, you know, mm-hmm. just just a few years ago. And and uh, and he gave me my first job in America. So the guy, you know, so yeah, Corey says, he says, I I know I have given many good cha- good jobs, you know, uh, but but I must say, I haven't done many mistakes in America either. But yes, it's one of them, at <laughs> you. <Yeah. laughs> but I mean, he'd love to do that, because sure. you know, I, I, I told him stories. of you too, you know, mm-hmm. people were stubborn many times. You know. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so uh, we went, um, in mean, 66, in the uh, spring of 66, I came here and looking for a crab job. Of course, of course, I got uh, just still seasick and uh, wasn't big money. And I, I, got it. Uh, I got it accepted in one of the fancy technical schools in Norway. So I had, um, I had a dream of making ten thousand dollars, and uh, American car, and go to school in style, and get all the pretty girls, you know. Yeah, you bet. With a car that my face couldn't give me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and uh, of course uh, I did get ten thousand dollars, and I did get. The American car and I went back to Norway, but it took me four years, four and a half years. So I, the school didn't hear. It. What 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 was the American car? This is Cheval Malibu, nineteen sixty-seven Cheval Malibu. Ooh.
0: Would you like to have that Hers, now?
1: Hersen- yes. I was going to keep it, but you know, I drove it once a year, you know, 15, 20 years ago, and then one somebody drove into my side one one time and they totaled it. So so four years, Kevin? No, I, f- I crap for 19 seasons. No, but I mean, you did four years to get that 10,000 saved up to get your car. Yeah, right? yeah, before, before, yeah. So I came here and I couldn't get a job because I, I couldn't buy the jobs. In in 66, you know, uh, a couple of my friends, they fished, Newgalf Longhocker and Newgalf Longhocker and I think they worked for about five, six, seven months of the year and they made the. I think 35 or 40,000 in 1966. Oof. I was a German electrician working here. at, I think I made 13,000 with a lot of overtime for mm-hmm. a whole year, over mm-hmm. 2,000 hours, you know? Right. So you can imagine the difference, you know? Yeah. So it took me a couple of years before I got uh, actually two, three years before I got a king crab job. I got salmon job in the summertime. What was the first boat? The first boat was a little salmon, salmon boat. But the first job uh, I had was uh, Olympic, the crabber, k- the Olympic. The first Marco steel boat, ninety-four footer. How oh, John? Ninety-four? Yeah, John. Schong. But um, uh, where were we? <laughs> <laughs> <Your> first <laughs> crab boat. Yes. But so I was uh, doing electrical, and I become a lead man for London Crete often. Because I was going to go fishing. So Lundy was already in existence. Lundy was Lundy, Lundy Electric only. L- Lundy Marine Electronic Tonic we me and a, a couple of my friends. Mm-hmm. But you know, but for ten years I worked there. Actually, I worked there ten years and I got fired nine times. I never been <laughs> fired. Once a year. And Olaf Lundy was owned it, owned it, and he later was knighted by the Norwegian king, old uh, war sailor. But anyway, mm-hmm. he, he first time uh, I w- got the job, was going to go fishing. Then he gave me fifteen cents race. So you didn't go fishing. So, so I says, okay, uh, here's the raise. Don't go fishing. So Olaf, think I was, you know, for three months I will be gone for three months, and I make four times the money I make here the whole year. I make in, in four months, you know. So I have to. I mean, I, I you know, I mean it's uh, You know, so I pack your back, He says, fir- First <laughs> time. That's what I meant. That, that's what I thought. So I did, and I was. So, so I said, where are you going? He says, you fired me, didn't you? Yeah, but I changed my mind, <laughs> and that repeated itself nine years in a row, You know. Because you kept going fishing. Yeah, I mean, so you were d- pretty much doing both. You yeah, were. Yeah. You were going I, fishing and then coming back. But I, I, I fished in you know, those nineteen seasons, I fished three full years. The rest that was just three months. Mm-hmm. I took the peak. I was lucky enough to, since you know, I knew most of the boat because we did electrical. Or, uh, on the boat when they built them, you know, so I got the So you were using that inside track of doing the electrical right. work to get on the right boat. Uh, Jimmy Mack, he was the same way. He was a uh, decent mechanic. When you was say it? Jimmy Mac, you're talking about Jimmy McManus. yeah, mm-hmm. right. He did do the same way, you know, I mean, he, he you know, he, he was an engineer, repair engineer, and then got the job of go. I don't know if I've ever heard anybody call him Jimmy Mack. Was uh, that what he, you guys all called him? I don't know, I, you know. <laughs> <I>, uh, McManuson, <laughs> you know, I called him McManuson first. You uh-huh. know, SCN, he got an SCN to it. right. But uh, so Jimmy Mack is my name for him. Got it. Um, few, I, I few, thought maybe we found an old nickname for and, him here. And few, few and me. No, no, I wasn't. No, I, you know, just easier to say. hmm <laughs> So, but uh, you know, so uh, so um, in uh, I can't remember. Was it '77? I think it was around '77. Uh, Chuck Bundren, uh ordered one of the boat to pack fish to to Gdic and we built it and I did the, I was the foreman for the electrical so I did all the electrical in them days they had they had uh, 12 volt they had 32 volts 110 volt AC and uh, and uh, 220 volt AC so you had a little and then you didn't have generation maybe if you have one generator you had kind of like an alternator and maybe a an, uh, belt driven generator so uh, electrical was complex mm-hmm. in the early days So, uh, like I said, we did that, and Chuck went fishing, and he went. Actually, he made uh, he uh, he fished in Kodiak the first year and had Dungeness crab, and the second year he leased a boat, I think. And anyway, in uh, '79, uh, '69, '69, he. He came back, and uh, Gundelf Loughlin was going to take the boat out west to Adak, to fish Adak. That was the big, big fishing in Adak then, you know, mm-hmm. before the Bering Sea started. It, yeah, it, way, down way down After Dutch, yeah. uh, Dutch and then uh, uh, Dutch Harbor, and then Adak. So uh, he went up with them, met them up there, and on the first trip out, they took in the windows, and everything went black, you know. They took waves in and yeah. just busted all the windows. And yeah, and took then out there, the was, a, there too, was a pilot. Right? Yes, exactly. And electrical. So. so so uh, Chuck called Olaf, and uh, I got the job to go to ADAC and uh, fix this thing. From Seattle? From Seattle. They flew mm-hmm. me up. And uh, and of course, I wasn't a citizen at the time, so they had a hard time getting me, because there was a base in, in ADAC, so you, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Military base know. was active right. then. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, you know, I got up there, and then, of course, all the crew flew home. Chuck was the only one left. You know, he met me at the airport. So of course there was no uh, taxi to be had, you know. So, uh, so uh, but uh, Martin Bakken, on uh, he was a kip, captain on the Viceroy, uh, which uh, at the time was in process of being sold to the Viceroy to the cigarette company. So uh, so uh, Chuck had you know I mean he had uh, it was very surprising. He had a big checkbook I remember on his on his uh, on his uh, belly, at one of those four six gang or six, three six, four yeah. Or and then there was a big bulge there. What's that? He said, Oh, he says, that's a, that's a big <laughs> Magna revolver, some are kind of a gun. If, if one doesn't work, the other one will. <laughs> <laughs> Teasingly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Anyway, so we got Martin uh, back to drive us to Finger Bay, but she was tied up to a barge. And, and in order to get uh, all the stuff that was fly, flying in, you know, because new equipment was needed. Everything was wet, you know. Everything was uh, not working. The whole wheelhouse, Whole and wheelhouse, and part of the engine room. Uh, you know, I mean, they flooded the pilot house and the galley below and down to the engine room. So uh, we got uh, Mark Martin to drive, pick up the stuff for us. They everybody helped each other in that day more than they did know. Uh, and uh, and uh, uh, you know, versus I, I was going to help fixing uh, one of the generators on the vice versa. So <laughs> to cut into that. And they had, they showed movie every Friday. So uh, we were invited to go to a movie on Weisberg, uh, me and Chuck. So Captain Thompson was on the window, says, where are you guys going on the, on the Friday night? So are we going to go see the movie? Yeah, you are. He said, not him. So <laughs> Chuck didn't get to, Chuck get didn't get <laughs> so to no, go. Well, I think he got to go, but <laughs> anyway, a, ye- a year later, he ran the dog on boat, you know, mm-hmm. he took the, oh, two years later, whatever. So. Um, so, uh, when we were finished, it took us a few weeks, and he was selling the boat, yeah. you know. Uh, and, and he did sell the boat after we cleaned it up, and he, he got going and dried up and mm-hmm. co- took it down here. And, and when we were finished, uh, about three weeks, I was up there, and I had to cook, cook for myself. We had to, you know, I mean, there was nothing there, and Chuck went home, too, for a little while. Anyway, when, when, uh, when the o- new owner of the Viceroy, or the, 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 the new company, Came up, there was no room for them, so I told Martin, says why, why, why not to to t- You know, I mean, uh, everything is stateroom is fine, you know, and everything is on dory So, he gave his stateroom to this uh, b- new big shot, and then Mike Jacobson was spot owner. He, him and him and uh, and uh, Martin Backen came over to to t- and that's where he met Chuck Lundgren. He had a bottle under his neck, and I think that's I think that's when the plan started with a with a to catch a processor. Mm-hmm. So when we were finished, then he was gonna. He had uh, on the way in after they had uh, either on the way out or in. I can't remember, but they had set about a dozen or twenty pots outside, right out of Finger Bay. So, so uh, when we were finished, me and him was gonna go out and take these. I never been on a crab, never held a crab pot in my life. So Chuck was the one and that showed me how to. To, uh, just you and him on the boat? Just me and him, and uh, you know, and uh, how did how did that work? Well, I mean that's a, uh, you know, I and I, I never I never knew how, you know. I was a fisherman. I called him a, a hillbilly. You know, I mean, uh, he, I'm a flatlander hillbilly, and he's a real hillbilly. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so he got up to the pot, I got a hook on it, and then he come down and helped me stood in the winch, you know. So I I was just I was the pendulum I to care of the pot, steered the pot in, and he was in the operation. That's, uh, so he actually was the first. Crap! But I was to come to think about it now. You know, he was, was with Chuck. Was with Chuck. I better tell him that, reminding of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I flew down to Seattle again, and uh, he went on and sold the boat, then started working for Mike Jacobson and then went to school and got his papers. And mm-hmm. Next year I saw him, and he was captain on the Vice t- and and I was engineer with John Chung on the Olympic. So of course uh, there's a few stories there too. There were two different kind of guys, but they actually were partners in, mm-hmm. uh, in uh, for some time those two.
0: I want to capture your story though. So where did you go from
1: here? Uh, from uh, here when when you got back to Seattle after? after oh that no, I always went back to London. Always back. I, always back to London. Mm-hmm. And in uh, in uh, I was there ten years, and then by that time I become the foreman and so forth. You know, mm-hmm. but. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ritual of being fired still dead, went on. Uh, sure, you know? sure. <laughs> but I got the job. I was. Did, uh, did you have any uh, when you, when you were up there crabbing? Because you crabbed 19 seasons. Yeah.
0: Uh, you had to have some times when you were really scared. I mean, I know that you were you were raised
1: tough. Oh yes. So. Yeah, uh, Do you remember the first yeah, time yeah, you I, were I truly think the scared? reason the most most Nordic uh, fishermen are, they they might want to be toughened, but they are, they're religious background, you know, because once you're at sea and you bec- you know how small you've become, mm-hmm. and there's uh, there's a couple, three times I didn't think I would come back, really. So faith is important, you know, I mean, that uh, you know, pra- praying, it's, uh, uh, there's a lot of saying here, I pray for you, and s- most people, some do, but I don't know how much they concentrate on it, but sure. but, uh, you know, I prayed for, <laughs> to get back home. There's, <laughs> some there's, been, there's been some times when yeah. you didn't know if you were going to make it back. Well, yeah, Can quite you, a few times. Do you
0: mind sharing one of your stories with us, sir?
1: Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, one uh, that wasn't the worst story, but we almost lost the guy. Uh, uh, that was on the Northern River with Magnin S. So it was it uh, was a big boat, you know. It was 155 footer, and then Magny was tough to begin with. So he, he was always had was a highliner and always fished, and when everybody else uh, didn't fish, he fished. And so it was uh, was blowing pretty good, I would say. Fifty, maybe. Uh, you know, it was a, it was a big. Uh, uh, and Sea isn't that bad if you're under, f- if you're not on the on the edge, you know. Mm-hmm. And in the passes, you know. Quite steady wind. So, but any any now and then you get a queer one. you come coming sideways and all over the place. So, at that time I was in the engine room, and Betty uh, Ness was a cook on board, Magnus' sister. And uh, all of a sudden I felt the boat really took a heave to the side, you know. And, and she started screaming. And I came upstairs, oh, Sigmund, Sigmund. The boat uh, the, uh, waved on, on the northern Aurora It's a full deck above the deck, you know, because there's a processor all the way along. So, so it's probably about 10, 12 feet, 14 feet from the waterline up to the deck. So she had taken, there was three guys on deck, and uh, Sigmund Ingebrecht was one of them. They took them on the starboard side, lifted them off to the port side and overboard. So Sigmund and went over. Sigmund went over, and in the middle of the night, floodlights, of course. And for, so Magni, he got the boat back, and we saw him. He for some reason he didn't. Uh, he had oldskin on. No, no float, no, no floating device. No, did
0: Did anybody wear much no. PFDs back then? No,
1: none, none, no. not to my knowledge. And I think we had. I, I'm. I'm. I'm not sure if the was before the survival suit. Uh, I, I'm. I, I'm not sure. I think we may have survival suit, but nobody was used to having it and stuff, so nobody was thinking of it if we had them. And what what season was this? What That was in the fall of, uh, yeah. uh, when was that? It was 70, uh, 79? So the water was Ten caught. years after I came, uh, yeah, oh yeah, that was uh, yeah. Uh, 34, four yeah. five degrees, you know, yeah. so uh, normally, yeah, I mean, 10, 15 minutes, you would pass out, mm-hmm. and Sigmund was out there for, Oh, probably half an hour. Oh. O- Overturned, he was passed out. Oh yeah. But there must have been water in his oilskins, you know, because we always have a belt on, so that floated him. He was lying, dipping in the water. And uh, and anyway, Magnum went over the boat to the side, and everybody threw bag over to him and stuff. But of course, we you see he was out, so we had no no other choice, you know. So so um, we had a life ring, so I. I put the life ring on me and gave the other end to, to Holgersen. who was about uh, 190. I mean, uh, he was about uh, six, eight, or something like that. Big strong guy, Magnus. Mm. not hang on to him. Don't ever give up give on it, you know. And I jumped, and of course it snarled up a little bit. So, when I jumped, I slipped right over you know, he held on, you know, so I, <laughs> right, right through, <laughs> <laughs> he was up there and I was, that's so right, that was the, the first ring. mistake, Right. <laughs> but I was called Ed, so I was out, we got out to him, and, uh, you know, uh, as I got there, you know, I mean, everything is adrenaline, so I can't, you can't remember it so clearly, but anyway, the minute I got to him, he, 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 he sunk down, a wave come over, and then he dipped down. So he said, shit, all this for nothing, you know? So I turned around, and all of a sudden he popped up right in front of my eyes. That's uh. like that. We're talking about higher power. But anyway, so we got him back to the side of the boat. Or, and then then uh, they threw a line to us. And I was going to, but I was, uh, by that time, I'd been in there about 10 minutes. I was so uh, slow motion. I had no power left or nothing. Okay. So, so, of course, I couldn't tie it out, so they hauled him up, and they hauled him halfway up there, and then they slipped. He slipped out of the rope, and then come down. The boat was laying in the, in the, in the waves, you know, and it slid down the side of the boat, and we had a big keel, to, uh, it was a chime, so there was a chime to uh, 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 steal the keels from the side of the boat. So, uh, so he fell underneath that, and the boat rolled over it. So I said, Oh, Jesus, that's no, no way, No way, yeah. he's probably coming up on the other side. So by that time, I was uh, panicking for myself. I wanted to hop on it. I, was <laughs> I had ready, no strength yeah. left. can't even hop, yeah. So when the boat rolled over again, all of a sudden he popped up right in front of me again. Right in front of me. I mean, I mean, didn't even turn. I had turned already, and he popped up right in front of my nose. So that time, I kind of wrapped, I wrapped and wrapped and just stuck, I didn't tie anything, just wrapped them around and by themselves, you know. And they hauled them up, and, and they, they put a ladder over the side, and I was going to climb up. I couldn't climb up the friggin' ladder. Weird. I could not, I could, in that time I could hang after a hook thing, you know, one arm, you know. So I stuck my, my arms on the last uh, rungs. And every time the boat laying over, it was hanging on, <laughs> shocking <on him. laughs> But I was relaxed, so I didn't break anything. And they, they come and got me, and got me up too. And Sigmund was out, he thought it was gone. But uh, one guy, uh, Knudsen, he was, a, I think it was a mate on board. He said he put a little mirror up there. No, oh, no, he's alive, he's alive. So they put him in a bunk, and everybody crawled rotate body temperature and heaters on him. And the next day, he was fishing you, again. You say Crawled, rotated. Yeah, in the, in the bunk, we put him in the bunk, took his mm-hmm. clothes off, and we had girls on there, so 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 no no guys wanted to to, to go and n- lay body temperature with him, but they did, you know. We rotate, so the girls, everybody, put uh, two bodies on either side of him to heat him up body temperature. So and You, then you guys
0: heels. all took turns.
1: Yeah, not me. I was too cold. They didn't <laughs> you, but, but the crew? <laughs> the crew did. Took turns. Two, three. I don't know how many did, because uh, by that time I went in the shower. And but rotation yeah, of
0: scan-to-scan
1: of yeah. to to scan contact to bring him right, back. Exactly. And heaters on them, you know, and a blanket, you know, had to open up for heaters and, you know, two heat heaters. What an amazing story. Yeah. That's how scary. I mean, I I Normally, I mean, uh, I talked to a doctor later, and normally in that body temperature, around 10 fell minutes, you know, you're... you're you have you, you lose your power well, you and I know it. yeah I know it and I mean I didn't feel it in my head you know but I felt it in my strength I had no strength and he was out there for over 20 minutes uh, I'm sure it's in the logbook someplace how long but but you know so he was completely gone and at that time I
0: mean in today's day and age you know we have to do drills before we even leave the dock.
1: Yeah, I, um, know.
0: I know. In that time were you doing drills? I mean, did no guys know No, what
1: no, no, no. Drills <laughs> drills were not to fall overboard. Don't don't fall overboard. Don't fall overboard. But, but what but, but on the same token, the difference then. fishermen was 12 months of the air operation. They were commercial fishermen. They were experienced. There was really was there a greenhorn on board. And uh, you know, we were three guys on deck in most places and four sometimes, you know. But uh, then there was a helper maybe. But there was—they were all experienced people. Yes, that was a 12 month of the operation. Mm-hmm. You know, some people stayed uh, two, three years at the time. It wasn't it was seasonal. It was no, it wasn't. Seasonal. Yeah. It was all the, all the time, and it wasn't as hectic. There was still a total quota, but you know, there was times. You know, for example, uh, in my beginning, if we if we operated from uh, from six in the morning to about eight, ten, we fished. We fished. Um, Probably around 18 hours a day, mm-hmm. and then you relax good. I have a good story about Magni too. On uh, uh, we, I think we, we operated around 70 some hours in one stretch on the o- Ocean Leader, Corey's brother. Mm-hmm. And 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 uh, normally we we hauled, could haul probably 12, 14, uh, 10 to 15 pots an hour on a regular basis. 12 was a good average. And we could do that for 18 hours straight. Then s- uh, slept for three, four hours and cleaned up yet. a little bit, yeah. And we could do that for a week to fill it up. So we, we started, it was the end of the season. We started, and about 30 hours in, Magnet came out on deck. Uh, hey, boys, uh, uh, you did good now. He said, we had four hours the last hour, four pots the last hour. I so said, four pots? You know, normally we do 14, say, or 12, 15. So I uh, now to come on to go up and sing to him, you know, his brother in law, the because I you know, to kind of get him off the track, you know. Now I can't sing now but I can go up. So I I, I went up to to open deck open pilot houses, Magni. If we had four hours and we we were doing as best we could, if we stopped for for three hours like we normally do, that's twelve pots. That's that's you know, that's three hours of uh, working that you know, we, we the 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 fourth hours the fourth hour, we were just where we left, and we have slept because we will we'll get up to uh, to 12 pots an hour again. Uh, so I says, and in two hours, we had a game. Uh, so, so, uh, right. Yeah, he says, Don't you think I know it? But I drank so much coffee, I can't sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to keep working. <laughs> He was he he couldn't stand to listen there and just <laughs> and not work, you know. Yeah, I know you've got you've got
0: so many amazing stories up there. I think I think what we're gonna have to do is have you come back again if you'd be willing to.
1: <laughs> we got lots of more stories. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um
0: yeah. I think we're yep, we we are out of time, Tor. To okay. But okay. uh, I no really I cannot <laughs> thank you enough for coming today. Uh I wish I could do just go right on into another episode because mm. uh what what a no, great we recording.
1: You know, as long as you know which one, Tor, I told.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, Tor, thanks again for coming today. You bet, you bet. And, uh, guys, uh, this has been another episode of Galley Stories, and uh, tune in next time. We'll see you soon.